I don't get this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how we didn't laugh. Um, so, hello, Christopher. <laughs> hello, Mattstopher. You all right, darling? Hello, audience and lovely yes. people. Welcome to uh, the, the post-Christmas 2016 Big Damn Cast. The Boodum Q. <laughs> and we, we hope you're all full of Christmas cheer and pud. And uh, turkey, and well, you know, whatever, whatever food you might consume over these holidays, regardless of which particular festivals you celebrate. I hope you're all happy and uh, and have full tums like satisfied fat cats. Um, <laughs> and we love you all. And I think it's an important time to say that we do because it's been a hell of a week, and there's, we've had some real sad news. Yeah, we've had a pretty shit... I mean, not just us personally. No, no, the, the whole world. The <clears throat> world as a whole. Yeah, the, the world over by Jing has, has been by hit Jing this week. Over. And I, I think I think it would it'd be... I think we'd be remiss to not um, open with this before we lead on to our nonsense. Um, so, yes, uh, this past week saw the passing of Carrie Fisher. Um, yes. Which is... The most horrible thing to ever happen in the history of at least this week for definite and will probably ring out for a very long time to come. It's, it's a real end cap to a fucking terrible year for like the yeah. loss of icons and and Carrie Fisher was um it's more than she was just Princess Leia. She was just a she was just a wonderful presence. Just knowing yes. that she was there. If you've ever read any of her writing, you'll know that she's uh, her wit and her candor are, are legendary and really refreshing. She's a real champion for mental health, a real champion for feminism. Uh, yeah, she was more than just a princess, but she'll always be royalty to us. Yeah. Oh, I'm a bit better myself. That's sweet. And she, and very sweet. And then, yes, well, this morning, we were greeted by the even sadder news that a day after Carrie Fisher passed away, her mother, Debbie Reynolds, also passed. Um, so it's a real twofer. And, our, you know, our thoughts are with uh, their family. Mm, like Carrie's daughter just, and, and yeah. everybody and, and her friends at this time. Because, I mean... I mean, Christ! It's like to, to to have a loss around sort of the festive season. It's all. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that it, it's more important. But like around this time that is dedicated specifically yeah. to family and togetherness. For me, certainly, to suddenly like, lose yeah. someone. Yeah, Christmas is that it's, for me definitely something that's very much about family. So for someone to have to go through that loss twice, yeah, um, in the and 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 it's it wasn't you know it was a long drawn out thing as well because. Uh, for those who don't know, and if you don't know what rock have you been living under, but um, uh, Carrie Fisher suffered a heart attack just before Christmas on a plane. Yes. And she was in intensive care and then finally passed away on the 28th, I believe. No, 27th. 27th, 27th yeah. Um, and then her, Debbie Reynolds passed away in the early hours of this morning, last night. Um, yeah, so to go through that, that sort of suspension, that period of 
of oh what's going to happen what's going to happen and then for the worst to happen and then happen again awful awful and you know such a great loss of two absolute hollywood legends and mm. um yeah just it's kind of left us all reeling a little bit there's this beautiful photo doing the rounds on social media as well at the moment of Debbie performing on stage. We're talking um, sort of the late 60s. Uh, she's performing on stage and very tiny, like toddler-sized Carrie is sat in the wings watching her. Oh, yeah, I've it's seen that. It's so it's, sweet. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Such a sweet picture. And, and, and obviously, like, the way the internet is, the beast it is. All these clips are now doing the rounds, like of, of specifically sort of stuff of Carrie doing speeches and roasts and the sort of almost stand up. Like she had a tour, yeah. uh, she had a tour, Wishful Drinking. Well, that was also, she, it was, yeah, it was also that was her first autobiographical book, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I've read. I've, re- I've read Wishful Drinking and I've read, uh, oh, I can't remember what the, the, the next one's called, but I've read that one. And then The Princess Diarist has just come out. Yeah, which is a collection of her diaries from when she was young, making Star Wars things like that. Um, but yeah, as clips from that will show, and as reading it will show. And if you haven't read Wishful Drinking, you really should. It it's the the humour and the honesty is just is it's incredible coming out of someone who's that very much part of that Hollywood um, uh, family. You know, she was born into fame. She's, daughter of Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds and but she doesn't have time for any of the airs and graces of it and she's very she she sort of lays it all bare in a way um Mm. and that was so wonderful to experience and I think inspiring (coughs) sorry pardon me (coughs) it's inspiring that she was so open about so much particularly when it came to her mental health and her addiction issues um, that she then allowed people, she then inspired people to be open about their own problems and, and help face them and be inspiring in that sense. And really, although many people might just know her as Princess Leia, that reach that she has from being the you know one of the focal points of the Star Wars movies, which is some of the biggest movies of all time, that the reach that that gave her allowed to inspire so many more people, which I think was what was so, which is why this loss has been so keenly felt. And it's been, a, you know, it's been a bad year for losing legends like that. And there are some people who think that, oh, well, why are you mourning so much for someone you didn't know? You know, people die all the time. Well, yes, and, uh, and certainly, you know, the loss of your own family members and people that are close to you personally is always going to be more keenly felt. But what you've got to remember is that the people that we've lost this year, you know, back, going way back to David Bowie at the start of the year, <clears> right <throat> through to, to Carrie Fisher now... Um, is that these people were uh, a part of so many people's uh, upbringing. They're a part of their mm. makeup from yeah. su- from such a formative time. The, the the work that these people have done as artists has done so much to shape the personalities and lives of people for the last, what, 40, 50 years, depending on who we're yeah. talking about. Um, it's well, that's, just- that's the thing. Every every person is is a brick wall. We are yeah. all a brick wall, and every brick that builds us, that is part of what of who we are, is important. Every single one, and that is family. It's friends. It's experiences. It's it's livelihood. It's it's loves and losses, but it's also the art and the culture we absorb. 
like it makes up who we are. And I know there's there's obviously something that could be said um, quite cynically and understandably so about labels and sort of going, oh look, I'm I am a fan of this. I like yeah. this artist, la la. But for much for more, much more people than sort of the you know the look at me, look at me crowd, a lot of that is important because it's about who you are. Like I wouldn't have the sense of humour I have as a human being were it not for like Morecambe and Wise. Like, were it not for The Goon Show, were it not for, you know, um, The Mighty Boosh and League of Gentlemen and things like that. Where, you know, Joyce Grenfell, like, if I didn't hear those things growing up and see those things growing up, yeah, my sense of humour wouldn't be what it is. So that's important to me. And, and, and the same with musicians and, and artists and, speak, you know, public speakers and writers, authors and, and, and filmmakers. So, yeah, that is why this is so keenly felt, like you say. To lose Bowie, to lose Rickman, like you know, all these all these talents. No, they are. When it comes down to the human, like the human form, they are no more important than people who die every day. But when it comes to the impact they made on the world and on people, that deserves to at least be given its time. Like that yeah. deserves to be to be mourned and celebrated and everything. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they touched many people. And Carrie was, like you say, an inspiration to those, like, dealing with mental health, a, a very sharp wit, an aggressive joke teller. Yeah, absolutely. Like, she, she could tell a very cutting, scathing punchline and make the victim still feel like they were in on the joke. And she could do it to herself as well. She was... Oh, yeah. She was... She, she wasted no time in being self-deprecating. <laughs> she, there was... There was... Uh, it, 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 it seemed to me that she was, you know, confident and happy in herself, particularly in the la- in, in, in the last couple of years, um, but absolutely not proud or um, afraid to take the piss out of herself. Absolutely not. And at the same time as well, she her dog made her laugh, so she introduced her dog to us as well. Yeah, exactly. So Why we not? got to meet Gary. Yeah. Um, oh, poor Gary. Oh, no, poor Gary. Um, but one, th- one thing, uh, and, and I, I don't think we should dwell... Too much longer because it is it is sad, but like yes, yes, we don't we, want to. We need we, we needed yeah. to talk on this because yeah. because you know she's like you said like she may she may not have been princess, but she certainly was royalty. Um, once upon a time, I think it might have been in wishful drinking. I could be wrong, um, or it could be in the most recent one, Princess Diaries. But but she did write once about how George Lucas during the costume tests for Leia for the first film <laughs> said to her, you know about this, don't you? Yeah. Said to yeah. her that uh, she shouldn't wear a bra. And I think it was something to do with just the way it was the shadowing on the costume. It was sort of quite obvious there was underwear and stuff and it just didn't quite work. And she said, what do you mean not wear a bra? Of course I'm going to wear a bra. And he went, well, they they wouldn't wear them in space. (laughs) There's no underwear in space. (laughs) Yeah, she went, what? And he went, there's no underwear in space. She went, oh, have you asked them? Have you been up there and asked them? And he went, no, think about it. The way that our bodies react to gravity like we expand in deep space, but but materials like that wouldn't. So if you're wearing a bra on a starship, the gravity field on that ship could only compensate so much. So you would be expanding, and if you're wearing robes and things like that or armor, then you you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be too bloated in that. You're gonna feel okay, but your underwear would suffocate you. So. She said that if she ever passes away, and some articles have used this in their obituary, she said if she ever passes away, she would like her obituary to read, she died bathed in moonlight, suffocated by her underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Which is 
absolutely brilliant. Yes. So, um, a toast, be it physical or metaphorical, to Carrie Fisher. To Carrie Fisher. Cheesy as it sounds, may the force be with you. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, On to slightly more positive, uh, festive news. Uh, I just... well, I want to I want to dip into this one because because I, I do think that um, it was for morbid reasons kind of funny. Uh, yesterday, as I was recording this, the twenty eighth was Stanley's ninety fourth birthday. Ninety four years. Happy old. birthday, Stan! Pacemaker only two years ago, Lee. Mm. Um, now, what was wonderfully macabre about that is that, of course, on Twitter, Stanley was trending. The moment that day started. Oh, oh of course. Yeah, and gave yeah. the internet a thousand shocks because everyone was like, no, not no. another one. And then they clicked and went, oh, he's 94 and completely fine. <laughs> 94. Yeah. I mean, the thing about, I'm really glad that Stan Lee's still with us. I, the yeah. fact that he's 94 means it's only a matter of time at this point. Yeah. And it's a horrible thought, but it's going to happen sooner rather than later, I suppose. Um, well, I hope not. I'd, I'd yeah, I'd we rather hope it l- continues forever. But to be fair, <laughs> if Bowie is preparing that alternate universe and taking yes. all the great minds, Stan's going to go, gonna go later, eventually. Yeah. But um, I love that a few years ago he had a pacemaker fit. It was the first major operation he'd ever had. And um, after a few de- patchy days in surgery, around this time of year, actually, uh, he released a statement to let everyone know he was okay. And he said, don't worry, in my quest to become ever more like my favourite creation uh, and playboy philanthropist Tony Stark, I have started to augment my body like the Iron Man himself. <laughs> and it was just like, oh God, he's even joking about this. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Yeah. He's so, awesome, yeah. Mr. Stanley. He's um, awesome. Bless his it... cotton socks. Happy birthday to you, Mr. Lee. Belated, but happy birthday to you. Bye, um, Jingo. Yes. Um, we got a little present over Christmas, the internet did. Amongst all this misery, um, we got a little uh, a little drop on Christmas Day. Turns out, um, that Alien Covenant movie I could I completely forgot about. <laughs> that is coming out next year, in fact, and we got a full on trailer. We did a full on trailer. Um, <laughs> how do you feel having seen the Alien Co- Covenant trailer, Christopher? I am slightly more excited for a film I couldn't have given a shit about every time my brain reminds me it's a sequel to Prometheus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Because that's the thing. It is, it is a Prometheus sequel. Um, now, Prometheus is a visually stunning piece of work, structurally and narratively broken. <laughs> yeah, just uh, structurally and narratively a uh, bit shit. It's a mess. It's a terrible story with odd character decisions. Um, and it's really odd as well because it means that you feel that with this movie, this movie is almost Ridley Scott going, all right, okay, we'll give you what you want. Uh, because Prometheus's mission was to tell a story in the alien universe that was not about the xenomorph. And then during production, he obviously caved a bit and went, oh, go on, here's a PS at the end. There you go. Yeah, like, I never understood quite what they were trying to achieve with Prometheus. Because it, it just... What well, the, it? Initial, the initial idea was, they sat down and they went, that spaceship in Alien, the one they find on LV whatever. LV-426. Like, LV-426, where they find 
what is referred to in all the designs and everything is the space jockey, the big yeah. sort of gun turret with the the giant nine foot tall dude in armor on it. Where did that come from? Let's tell that story, and that and that alone makes me go, okay, fair enough. But then they didn't tell that story. <laughs> no, they told they told a story about God and creationism and and viruses and alien cocks that bite people and, and it's just like what and there's sort of a ship in it that's like the one that's in alien but it's not the same one because it's not that planet yeah <laughs> and also you don't see any xenomorphs that are but like you... the ones in the later movies no but you see various creatures that yeah hint toward them like the the sort of tar penis thing that is basically a face hugger slash chest burster yeah and then the giant um, hentai beast at the end that I yeah. think made a cameo in Rogue One. More on that later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, an unnecessary cameo. Um, but yeah, uh, th- th- that thing was clearly sort of early face hugger. Um, and then you get a sort of proto-xenomorph at the end. The Deacon, um, as it's called. Yeah, but earlier in the film, you see a mural on the wall that is quite clearly an alien queen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, it, it suggests that the, um, what are they called now? The engineers. Engineers, that's the one. It suggests that the engineers are creating a death machine. Well, there's like also a cre- that. A creature that will wipe out life. There's that CCTV sort of, that, that pseudo CCTV footage of them uh, running away from something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then that, that, that one whose head they find gets decapitated by the door as it's closing. Yeah. Ha <laughs> um, ha. We are God. Oh, wind the doors. <laughs> it's just, it's a bit of a mess, Prometheus, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm... A nice a nice performance from Michael Fassbender, though. Yeah, well... Cha- uh, cha- well... Channeling, channeling Peter O'Toole. Although apparently even he can't save the Assassin's Creed movie. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> I, on my, over on my YouTube channel, the last review I posted was um, Moana. I was going to get around to a Rogue One review, but time's just sort of gotten away from me. But we'll talk about that later. Oh, we'll be talking um, about Rogue One. Yeah. And, and I was going to watch Passengers and Assassin's Creed and finish off the year with those two movies. And then I read all the rapey overtones of Passengers. Yeah, that's went, put me off that. And went, yeah, no thanks. And then saw every review for Assassin's Creed and went, yeah, fuck that noise. Um, I'm not <laughs> wasting my time. I ain't got... I'm going to go see Moana for a third time and Rogue One for a second. Yay! <laughs> oh, I should see Rogue One again. I might see Rogue One again soon. Um, yeah. I, mm, I, it's... Prometheus is a mess. Prometheus is a mess. And this already feels like it has a bit more focus. Although that being yeah. said, the marketing for Prometheus was on point. Oh, God, like, yeah, They made absolutely. that movie look amazing in the trailers they, they, and such. They had taken cues from the... J.J. Abrams' school of viral oh, marketing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and it, and it did well in that. It, the build-up was phenomenal. And they leveraged the original Aliens <clears throat> visual style. And so it even took cues from that from the original trailer for that movie. Uh, exactly. Uh, and yeah, it just... like, really well done. And the Prometheus, like, logo slowly appearing. Yeah. And everything. It's beautifully done. Um, but what's happened now is... Uh, well, what's his face? Neil Blomkamp began releasing production work he he had done in his spare yeah, time for yeah. an alien for a replacement sequel to uh, Alien Three and Resurrection. Um, and then the internet went, "Make that!" And Fox went, "Yeah, Prometheus didn't work. Make that." 
and then he began pre-production on that film, talking to Sigourney Weaver and others who would be involved, who all went, yes, we will definitely do this. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver and um, and, uh, Michael Bean were on board. Michael Bean. I think Lance Henriksen was talked to as well about doing some some vocal stuff for Bishop. Um, So it was like, oh my God, they're on board. This is amazing. And then it was announced that that film was being put on hold because Prometheus's sequel was going into production. And that was when they announced that it was no longer going to be called Paradise, but it was going to be called Alien and then Alien Covenant. And we were like, oh. So essentially Ridley Scott is stealing the thunder of the film the internet was excited about. Yeah, pretty much. So those were warning signs to me. But I've got to admit that trailer... It looks pretty good. It'll, I mean, it's very practical. But then remember how good nice. the original Prometheus trailer looked. However, they've taken the one thing from Prometheus that was kind of scary, which was the viruses. The idea of the infections and the biological evolution, like forced evolution. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we see in the trailer for Covenant, someone steps on like a, a plant and the spore like wisps up into the air and enters their ear, ca- like, ear canal. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's creepy. And there's a dude at the beginning who looks like he's splitting from the back. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, it feels like it's taken, have you ever come across the original, uh, well not the original, but the William Gibson treatment and script for Alien 3? Uh, is that the one based on the, uh, the the sort of chapel planet where it's completely wooden? No, no, that was a Vincent War one. The, the William oh, right. Gibson one was early on <laughs> and it was going to write out Ripley and hand over the franchise to Hicks. Okay. And it was set on a station in Earth orbit. And what happens is people start, scientists there start sort of tweaking around with the like the alien bits of alien that are left over on the ship when they find it. Yeah, and they create like an airborne virus version of the xenomorph, which like is is net can become an airborne virus like you see in the Covenant trailer, and it doesn't infect you with a xenomorph; it turns you into one. Oh shit! So um. Th- they add some, add some elements of body horror, which it seems like... A, I don't know if, if anyone who's involved with this movie would have ever bothered to read that William Gibson script. Although it is a floating around out there if you if you want to take a look for it online. Um, it's worth a read. Um, but it, it definitely reminded me of that. Nice. I mean, maybe if they are taking cues from that, that's quite cool. Because it means yeah. it, that work was not necessarily for nothing. They're going to touch on that yeah which would make sense considering in prometheus you've got the guy who gets infected and sort of starts to zombify and yeah yeah and everything uh if I, am, am i wrong does he spew acid no I but the um, spewed acid or not he doesn't but i think one of the worm creatures does yeah that's how it gets into his into his mouth isn't yeah, it yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah there we go so they're sort of touching in on that um and also interestingly fastbender is playing um David again. Is it David? Yeah. 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 But he's also apparently playing another robot from the same um, sort of line. So he's playing two characters. It'll be interesting to find out how he gets his head. Uh, Numi Rapace is reprising her role for a sequence. Yeah, we're not sure so in what I, capacity yet, but she is in it. Yeah. It's like it's likely to be, I imagine, a flashback to wh- whatever happened to them after Prometheus. To her dying horribly. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, she had a forced um, C-section using medical equipment. Oh, God. That, now she's dead. That probably is the best scene in Prometheus. Yeah, well, like, it's, it's, it's so tense and unpleasant. I get the feeling that's the scene that got the film green lit, really. Yeah, yeah. I, that, 
That, what, what more have you got to offer? How about a C-section in real time with a squid in his tummy? I honestly okay. feel like Prometheus, I would have enjoyed Prometheus more if they hadn't have linked it to Alien or tried to link it to Alien so much. Yeah, if they'd have just stuck to um, stuck to the, the engineers, then I think yeah. it would have been pretty cool. Um, so yes, yes. <coughs> by Jingo. So Alien, Alien Covenant. Covenant, yeah. Coming out in August, I think. May? B? Let me let me <laughs> check. Let me check the old uh, the old internet movie Data Bois. Ah, um, a Am Dabois. Am Dabois. Ham Dabois. Ye Dabois. Well, it's definitely coming out next year, Cocker. May nineteenth of May, twenty seventeen. Oh shit, son! Yeah, so not too long to wait for that. Yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some decent movies. Right around the corner in the first half of next year. Um, but let's talk about stuff that happened over the last week or so again. Uh, specifically on Christmas Day again. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. The <clears throat> eagerly anticipated, long-awaited, <laughs> and much-hyped <laughs> Doctor Who Christmas special, oh, The Return of Doctor Mysterio. Full disclaimer, I have not watched this. I had one day at home during my Panto run. That was Christmas Day, and I chose to spend it seeing family, drinking, eating, and then watching The League of Gentlemen are behind you on DVD. (laughs) Then some more drinking, then some sleeping, then some driving back to Panto Land. Um, Full disclaimer, when I started to watch it, I was starting to get drunk... And it was sandwiched in between watching Home Alone and uh, Frozen. So, well, everyone needs something of low quality to fill the gaps. Yeah, it was definitely um, a, it was definitely a palate cleanser in between two superb pieces <laughs> of work. Um, now, we'll say this: um, I I don't mind spoilers if you wish to go into it, good sir. Because I'll be honest, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> all right. So, if you if you're bothered about spoilers for the return of Doctor Mysterio. Um, check the time code, boy. Yeah, check the time code and skip ahead because I'm going to spoil the shit out of it. Although, to be fair, <laughs> they already did that by making the damn thing. Um, <laughs> Sing. Oh, um, no. You know what? Actually, I didn't hate it <laughs> because I found it difficult to like muster up enough feeling about it to hate it. That is the most common criticism I heard over the period like, was... It was a nothing piece of television. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd go so far to say it was fine, but it kind of was fine. It was <laughs> fine. Um, it wasn't good by any means. But okay, so basically, the um, there are some nice Capaldi moments in it. I'll give it that. So it open it opens up <laughs> with um, a young boy uh, waking up and the doctor's swinging outside his window. And what the doctor's swinging, Some, like swinging s- from a thing, like like a someone called someone called Chris Hansen, uh, and um, <laughs> dear dear me, <laughs> stop it. Um, and he goes and he and he opens the window, and the doctor's like, "Let me in, let me in." So like, all right. Um, so the kid's like, "Okay, okay," and then he comes back in, and uh. Kid kid runs out the room, then he comes back in with a glass of uh, milk and some cooking, and it's like. Mum, mum says you can come in. You're expected. And he's like, "What? Oh well, you know, it, 
I said there was an old man outside outside my window, and he said she says you're expected. And the doctor comes in, and he's got the glass of milk and the cookies, and he sees the Christmas tree on the thing. He's like, oh, it's, of course, the exam Santa Claus. Um, and it turns out this this kid's like a super comics book nerd, and like he's um, the doctor's reading starts reading one of his Superman comics, and there's a whole gag where he's like, look, look, Superman and Clark Kent are the same person. I've only just worked it out. <laughs> and the kids, oh god! And the kids like, well, everyone knows that. And the doctor says, well, Lois doesn't know. She's a reporter. Look, I even drew glasses on Clark Kent. Uh, I even drew glasses on Superman. He's the same person. Um, so oh, the, the that doctor. would that would be a funny joke had people not been making it already for eighty years. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh um, god! But it, it's okay because it also foreshadows something that happens later because this kid's got glasses. So, um. <laughs> So the doctor goes up to the roof with this kid because he, that's where he was originally. He was setting a trap for something or other. Um, and he's got this crystal MacGuffin. And the kid's like, oh, I've got a cold. Well, and the doctor's like, well, you know, have a glass of water. Oh, oh and hold this crystal for me. Um, and and then the doctor's fiddling about with his machine and he asks for the MacGuffin crystal back. And the kid's like, oh, well, you said you were a doctor and you gave me this thing in a glass of water, so I swallowed it. So this kid swallowed this MacGuffin crystal, yeah. which is supposed to like give you great power, which, like it contains amazing power. And then all of a sudden, the kid starts flying. And then flash forward, and then um, the doctor's there's inve- a reporter and a doctor investigating some evil organization, and they're putting um, alien brains in human bodies. And there's this really like super because this went out at five forty-five on Christmas Day. Oh, sorry, just knocked my microphone over. That's how worked up I am. Um, <laughs> I'm not even that worked up. I'm just really clumsy and exhausted. Um, so this went out at like 5.45 on Christmas Day. And these aliens, right, they install brains in human bodies by splitting the head open diagonally from the forehead to the chin. But then when it opens up, there's like nothing in there and it's all blue and glowing. Are these the guys from Husbands of River Song? I've not seen Husbands of River Song, so I've no oh idea. Oh my god, I love this. We've, we've both not watched the other Christmas special. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... These were the villains in the Husbands of River Song. Okay. These these were the guys who, the thing that like she was nicking and was, was trading was with these people. Because one of them in it opens up his head to like take out the thing he's trading and then closes his head up. Yeah, yeah, because there's one scene where the guy opens his head up and he pulls a gun out and points it at the ghost. Who is... Yeah. All right, so basically, so the reporter who is investigating this thing, she's obsessed with the ghost. And God. then she's got a nanny at home, but the nanny's a dude who they... Who, and they knew each other as children and he's like, oh, I've got a massive crush on her. But the guy who is the nanny, who's like mild-mannered one wearing glasses, is also the ghost. Really? Yeah. The mild-mannered one in glasses yeah. is also the superhero. Yeah, 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 exactly. Bloody exactly. Hell. Exactly, that's what happens. And then, so, you know, there's a lot of, like, there's people mouth off and run around, and then the, the reporter sets up an interview with the ghost. So the ghost and then the, the guy who's the nanny... But he's also the ghost. He's like, well, I've got a date. I can't babysit. And she's like, well, I've got a date. No, an interview. Uh, tension. And then, oh, it's clear that she has some kind of feelings for the guy. Can I make a Can I make a flying stab as to who fills in as babysitter? 
No, no, no. He doesn't fill in his baby. The, the doctor doesn't fill in his babysitter because um, uh, he he does both. Oh, and the ghost does both. Um, also, oh god. Also, Nadol's around, and then they're like, "Oh, Nadol flies the TARDIS at one point." Oh god! And like materializes it around the doctor to get him out of trouble, and. Do they explain how Nardole is a full person and not a severed head? They they basically they have a conversation, and it's something along the lines of the Doctor's having to go Nardole for something, and Nardole's like, "Well, that's not what you put me back together for, is it?" So they just make a passing reference to the fact that the Doctor put Nardole back together. So the Doctor, a man who inspires confidence, adventure, and sort of like love and, and exploration within people. When, oh, I want to travel with someone new now. I know, that weird Paddington bear bald bloke that I met once. I'm going to put his head back on his body. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, oh, I don't know what that's God. about. Yeah, I See, d- I, thought, mm. I thought they'd give a reason as to why Nardole was in it, but really, that's it? Yeah. Oh, Christ. And I've, to be fair, I've only watched this once, so I may mis- be misremembering some of this. I'd also ignored some of the details because I didn't really give a fuck. Um... Do they make reference? Do they make reference to what happened with River? Yes, they didn't spend twenty four years bonking, did they? No, they make reference to it in the fact that like uh, the reporters talking to Nardole about the Doctor, and and Nardole's like, yeah, there was a woman he loved once, but she died a long time ago in a library, and that's kind of it. Um, oh, okay. Um. Uh. Yeah, and like. Yeah, the the aliens come and they take Lucy hostage to draw the ghost out, and the, the guy reveals that he's the ghost, and uh, then he ends up doing uh, that. There's a ship in orbit that the aliens are going to crash into New York, so they can get all the politicians of the world together to form like an anti-alien summit, so they can then take over all the politicians, and uh, 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 and then the Doctor and Nadal try and like hijack the ship. And then the ghost ends up pushing the ship back up into orbit so it doesn't crash into New York. And and then Unit come in and arrest all the aliens. But then one of the aliens is takes over a Unit soldier, so that sets up something for later on down the line. And then it ends. Andrew returned from the kitchen with a mince pie and a top up and go, Oh, did I miss something? Yeah, like it just it's like it's, it's whatever. It's not. It's not. It's not bad enough to like get worked up about, but it's not. It's just. It's like all right. Well, that was a kind of yeah. Whatever. So fine, so fine. basically, Moffat watched Superman the movie and Spearhead from Space and went, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like it's old stuff you've seen before in either better Doctor Who stories or. Or like superhero stuff, like it, it, it touches on the superhero stuff in the most um, superficial, cliched way imaginable. It, it, it sounds like it's in my least favorite type of, of um, reference that people do now, which is, oh yeah, don't worry, we're referencing how naff we're acting, so that makes it fine, right? It's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, because it's like. <laughs> Because this throughout the story, there's flashbacks to the Doctor with the kid who becomes the ghost as he's growing up, and like he keeps checking on him to make sure he's all right. This crystal's not making him sick or anything. It's making him what? superpowers. 
But, Hang um, on, Moffat, Moffat's written a story where the Doctor affects a, a person's life from their childhood. Oh my god, he's never done that before except twice. Yeah. No, three times! Three times! Clara as well! Not only is it borrowing stories... A- Amy, Kazran and Clara. Not only is oh it, my god. Not only is it borrowing from better Doctor Who stories, it's borrowing from better Doctor Who stories that Stephen Moffat's written himself. Oh Christ. Um... Uh, so yeah, and then it's like so. Oh God! But there's there is the idea that like the crystal kind of gives you what you what it thinks your heart's desire is, and what the crystal thinks that this kid's heart's desire is is to be a superhero. So he's become a superhero. Oh, a superhero with no black eye makeup and played by the guy from Dragon Ball Evolution. So... Oh yeah, man, he's he's not good. He's not good at all. But he's American, so he's cast. There we are. Yeah, pretty much. It's, That's it's pretty much why. Like. Yeah. Oh, God. Here's the thing. Online, I saw a lot of positive reviews for it in the week before, but all from Doctor Who fan sites or fanzines. Hmm. Those who went to the screenings and stuff. Um. So it was like, oh, shit. They got to see it early. Maybe it is good. But then no press reviews were released until, like, Christmas Eve. And they were a mix of, yes, yeah, all right, and this is terrible. <laughs> and it was like, oh, Okay. Yeah, it's not good, man. It's not good. Yeah, and, and the, the main reaction on Twitter on the night was either, this is frick. I mean, Stephen Moffat trended on Christmas night. And the reason he was trending is people saying, right, time to go. Time to leave now. Um, unfortunately, they've got another thir- uh, 13. Yeah, 13. 12 episodes of a Christmas special to look forward to. Oh, yeah, there was, um, a, there was a teaser for the next series as well. Of I, did wa- I did watch that, and I've got to say, Bill looks annoying as fuck. Yep. And the series just looks like the last two series in terms of the tone and the visuals. And I didn't like the last two series. It feels like they've sucked all the colour out of the show. Yeah, it's all grey and, and yeah. corridors in, in, in with no windows and, and outdoor scenes in sort of grey and beige matte sort of filters. I mean, go back and look at that 2005 series. It may look cheaper, but it looks a lot more colourful and fun. Christ, yeah. I mean, even the... Even the 2010 teaser trailer, the Vortex thing, mm. doesn't make any sense, but it, it's got this thing of, oh, oh shit, wow, about it. Mm-hmm. And, and this last couple of years, the trailers haven't had that at all. This Series 10 one just, ugh, ugh, ugh. Although, have you noticed, a lot of people have spotted this online, the bloody Mavellans are in it. No, I didn't. Have, have a search. A couple of people have spotted... It looks like they're many white suits, sort of that kind of wig hat thing, and like a blaster on the hand. Ah. The Daleks are at war. It seems to be in the same corridor that the Doctor and Asbill were in in the team. <laughs> yeah. Which, I noticed that in the next time trailer, in the, in the, the, the like, that scene is in an episode. Did it look like a different take? Because I haven't seen the, the first one. I I think it's the same take, so... Oh, okay. They've they've incorporated it into a story. No, oh, that'll um, be. I'm sure that'll be seamless. Yeah, well, there you go. It probably won't be a full Dalek episode either. It'll be yeah. like it'll be like an opening segment or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just oh look, she's a companion who's not afraid to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that the companion's job? Narratively, isn't that their job to ask the questions? To yeah. be our eyes and ears. But all the questions she's asking are questions we already know the answer to. I'm so excited. I'm so excited oh, for that. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be All great. those people who were like, it's been away for a year. Does that mean there's a change? Nope. Nope. It's the same. 
if you enjoyed it, I'm I'm happy for you. Um, but I have no desire to watch the return of Doctor Mysterio anytime soon, and I don't think I ever will. Just so we can keep up the tradition of you having never seen Husbands of River Song, and me having never seen Doctor Mysterio. We can alternate. At some point, at some point, <laughs> we should get each other drunk and show each other the other one. Oh shit! Yes, and that is actually a good idea. We should probably maybe find some way of of putting the results of that out onto the internet. Maybe on a channel. Maybe on some sort of channel where videos are, are, are hosted. Yeah, maybe um, a maybe a big damn channel. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Huh. Um, maybe. Well, maybe not a medium size chat. No, big. We could go big. We could go for a big damn channel. Yeah, I think yeah. we could do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hint, okay. hint, everyone. Hint. Keep um, your eyes peeled. Hint. So maybe, okay. So maybe that's the thing that we should look into doing at, at some point in the in the future. Um, Tee hee, 2017, that's all we're saying. Uh, yes. But, but from the future, Chris. <gasps> the future. From the future to a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This man can segue like you read about, boys and girls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've now both seen Rogue One. Yes, we have, mother lovers. And we're, we're going to get into some spoilers on Rogue One, but before we do, we're just going to run over um, some thoughts that we have about it and its general quality. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think of the general quality of Rogue One is, Christopher? I think it's a pretty cool film. I think my, my the way my brain has categorised it is it's not a Star Wars movie. It's a really cool war film that happens to be set in the Star Wars universe. <sighs> Um, I think it does have some of the magic of Star Wars in there, but little of it, and sensibly so, because this isn't the Skywalker saga. This is something very different. Yeah. Um, I think. I think on reflection, it's a little. It's a little weaker than how I felt on the night of seeing it, but I still think it's a pretty great time at the cinema, and I think it's. De- I mean, it's definitely the best prequel. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for damn sure. Yeah, and it, I think I I would put it as probably about as enjoyable as Return of the Jedi, but for different reasons. That's I, a bit more. Yeah. that's a bit more triumphant. This one's a bit more just grabs you by the balls. I would probably put it as a slightly better movie than Return of the Jedi. Just I think yeah, it okay. just holds together as a movie better. Yeah, okay, no, in okay. terms of like pace and flow <laughs> and and yeah, it, it's quite patchy it, at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's first 15 minutes is very odd. Um but then once uh Jin goes to yeah. um Yavin 4 uh that's when the story sort of starts working properly I, th- I think. Yeah, I think they so- like in a way they might slightly suffer from having an opening crawl from having to do all of that backstory very quickly before you yeah. can get into the main story. But um we'll get I like the, I like the fact I like the fact that there's no opening crawl and then the title was just Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah. No, a Star Wars story, which I think was a great idea because this was the film to introduce to the world the idea of, hey, guess what? You like Star Wars? There's going to be some more stories set in that world, but they're not Star Wars. So enjoy, everybody. Here's the first one. Yeah. Um, I think it was a great choice for a story to break in that new mold as well. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. To tell a story that we we know the outcome of. Yeah. So the ending when it comes is inevitable, and it feels familiar um, as well because you, yeah, because of where it, because of the story it's telling, you're and seeing it, so it, much 
that you're familiar with. Yeah, because it takes place roughly in like the three days before A New Hope. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, right down to the look of Vader and the troopers and everything. Like, yeah. They're all A New Hope grade and other costumes. St- and other stuff that we will get into when we get into Um Yeah. Cracking buddy. Cracking buddy. Cracking buddy. Cracking. Ooh, cracking buddy, Gromit. Um, uh, Jin Erso and Cassian are characters that aren't really allowed to do much beyond their template. Yeah. But I think the actors do a decent job at breathing yeah, like really, ability into them. I think it's a really, really good cast, all in all. Yeah. Oh, really oh, good ensemble. Yeah. Um, uh, Don, Donnie Yen steals the whole film. Donnie Yen's great. I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. Yeah. Um, Riz Ahmed is bloody lovable in it. Bless his cotton socks. Yeah, I love Riz Ahmed. Always uh, good to see him pop up in the... I mean, he does he does loads of Indian uh, indie mm. stuff in theatre, but it's always nice to see him pop up in a big tempo movie because he's uh, yeah. he's really great. He's a really good talent. Yeah, I think um, he, I think we needed more of Bodhi Rook. Actually, I might be biased, but I just think we needed a bit more of him, other than what we got at the very beginning, which was pointless and unnecessary. Which we'll go into in the spoilers. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, Alan Tudjuk, uh from behind a microphone. Steals a bunch of scenes off everybody as K2SO. Well, behind a microphone and sort of underneath all the CGI. Yeah, he did some mocap, didn't he? Some yeah, yeah. Capture. So it's, it's all, I think he was on set. Yeah, which is sort of James Spader Ultron style. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Krennic is great. Um, seeing like the TIE Fighters and the Star Destroyers act like we 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 know them too is really nice. <laughs> to the point of, um, Red, have you seen Red Letter Media's review of it? Yeah, I, I do it's, agree with them in parts, but at the same time, yeah, that's just like they're a bit they're a bit heavy handed. I think with the yeah, <laughs> considering that they liked Force Awakens, I think it's a bit hypocritical to lay into Rogue One for for bearing on nostalgia. The the when, nostalgic the nostalgia critic yeah. and Chris Stuckman crossover review is quite good because they basically go, yes, there are problems, and yes, some things are a bit eh, but. Fucking hell! Oh man, it ain't perfect. When, when only... this film, when this film hits like the heights, it yeah. hits them. I think the only Star Wars film that you could call near perfect, or if not perfect, is Empire. Yeah, absolutely. But, like it's it's an almost perfect sci-fi adventure movie. Um, but you know, this that's not that's not to say that everything apart from the prequels, everything else is <laughs> is you know really good fun, and I think there's even like if uh, I think people have actually done it where you could probably get a, a decent to good movies worth of material out of the three prequels if you're quite selective um, <laughs> so yeah I mean it's I think it's great I think it's really really good uh, uh, satisfying action some grit to it it's uh, it's compelling and there's tension in there even though you kind of know how everything's going to shake out uh, which is kind of part of it like it's definitely not about what like it's like it's like Titanic you're going into this movie knowing how it's going to end the, yeah. gl- the, the fun part of it is seeing how you get there yes um, I mean you know you know the Death Star plans are going to end up in the Rebels hands you know there is probably going to be great many losses on the way to that journey and, and many hardships um, and you know you're going to see sort of certain things led up to. Yeah. I don't think I don't think what you you definitely knew you were going to see was certain characters making an appearance. Yeah. Um, 
and which isn't a spoiler really we'll go into those in a sec but like you'll be like oh, of course they are key to this part of the story yeah, um, yeah and i will say this the prequels getting some love in the movie with Bail Organa once again played by Jimmy Smits. Jimmy Smits! Jimmy Smits reappearing. Like, having naturally obviously aged a bit since Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so they, they give him a sweet I am older goatee. And also, uh, yeah. um, Mon Mothma appears played by the same lass who played her in the deleted the, scenes from yes, Revenge of the Sith. Which is a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, it's not really a spoiler per se because you know that it's Yavin. Red Leader and Gold Leader making an appearance in their X-Wings in um, footage that was basically alternate takes from the original movie. Pretty much. I thought that was pretty nice. That was such a nice um, little way of getting them in the film because, of course, they'd be there on, on a Yavin um, mission because they were in New Hope. Why wouldn't they be there three days prior? Yeah, exactly. Like, it makes um, sense. So that but, was such a nice touch. So before we get into any more detail, I think we have to put up a big old spoiler warning. Spoilers, spoiler warning, so if space. You, if you haven't seen Rogue One by this point, and you really should because it's great, um, then, you know, check the time code and skip ahead to the next segment because um, we are going to spoil it now. Uh, everyone, everyone dies! dies. <laughs> <laughs> like... And what I love about that is that's normally our jokey spoiler, yeah, but this like, time it hell, isn't. Everyone dies. <laughs> like, which, again, you kind of think going in like that, yeah, that no one's getting out of this movie alive. And then as you get what? further and further into the movie, you're like, oh no, really, shit, like no one is getting out of this movie alive. Well, yeah, I mean, well, in, in Return of the Jedi, like, to get the plans for that movie, many Bothans died to bring yeah, us ma- these plans. Many, but I, I'm sure that, and I'm sure there's plenty on the internet going around, it's like, where are the Bothan spies in Rogue One? <laughs> it's like, wrong fucking Death Star. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh my god. So let's, 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 let's whack at the beginning. Mads Mikkelsen. Um, oh, I love a bit of Mads Mikkelsen. He's freaking great in this. He doesn't get a lot of screen time, but he really uses it all. Have you seen that um, picture? Have you seen that picture of him that's doing the rounds on the internet where he's doing he's like doing an interview for Rogue One and he's just opening a bottle of vodka with this <laughs> look on his face of just like I don't have any more fucks left to give. I'm just <laughs> dead inside. I'm doing a fucking space movie. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. It's like, he's amazing. Not, he's, he's not above this, but he has just done a world press tour for Doctor Strange and yeah, goes straight right. into another world press tour for another big like, Hollywood blockbuster. I just from a, from a man who vodka. tends to pick quite artsy, artsy um, yeah, odd parts yeah. normally. I imagine he's knackered. Yeah, he must be exhausted. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's great in this. He's really good. Um, Galen the right Erso. emotional weight to to Galen Erso, yeah, yeah, the, the um, great one of the creators of the Death Star. I think, it, and it, and the man who put in the small exhaust port. Yep, genius. I think, I think yeah, I think it, the movie does a really good job of contextualizing a New Hope and putting to rest a lot of the stuff that's happened over the last what the 40, 40 years or so of it yeah. being like, oh well, how can how can they build this big space station and it be blown up by one proton torpedo? It's like one, it it does that because that's what the plot is. So yeah. then you just have to bend over, then you just have to make that work. And two, it happens because of this. <laughs> it happens. It happens because the lead scientist is there, acting on behalf of the rebellion without anyone's knowledge, even the rebellions. Yeah. I think I think it's there's some there's some compelling. Um, uh, what do I call it? Yeah, there's, there's, 
takes, He's, I suppose, like compelling yeah. versions of, of stuff. Yeah, it, it's it the idea that this put that this guy's like, oh well, if I don't, they're gonna make this without me. Yeah, they're gonna kill me, torture me, do yeah, whatever they need like, to do. And you know, they don't need me to make this. Eventually, if they throw enough people at it, they'll get it to work. But if I come on board and do it, and it's sort of like the damned if you do, the damned if you don't thing. It's like if I do this, I can make it fail. Yeah, I can. I can. If I, I can sabotage it without anyone realizing, because I, that's how smart I am. But I have to do it. Or else it's gonna, it's, someone's gonna do it, and it's not, and it's gonna destroy everything. Um, seeing the power of the Death Star as well, like when it's not even at full power. Oh yeah, because we never really witness oh. it in in the originals, aside from Alderaan's destruction. We yeah. never see, we never see sort of the the the, the up close destruction. In this, we get to see. I'm trying to remember the name of the, the city. Uh, but we get to see the, the sort of the Jedi Temple that's become a marketplace. Yeah, it's Jeddah. It's Jeddah. Jeddah. That's um, it. Just burn up from beneath like this wave of destruction that's running not, through it. And that's like not even the station at full power. Yeah. Like they they never fire it. At, um, they don't fire it at full power in this. Uh, they don't do that until Alderaan. Um, this is the this is the partially up. operational battle station. Yes. Um, oh <laughs> speaking, yeah, of course. Speaking of which, <laughs> fucking like I did not expect them to have a CGI grand. Well, you know, I knew Grandma Tarkin was going to be in this, um, and I knew that obviously they'd have to do some CGI stuff to get someone who could do an approximate Peter Cushing to look like Peter Cushing. Yeah. I did not expect them to use it as much as they did. Jesus, that's got to be the most ambitious use of yeah. like CGI face replacement of like a dude who is no longer with us. I mean, they've done. I mean, they've done it. The only thing I can think of that's compar- that's comparable is in the Social Network when you've got the two twins. Like Army yeah, Hammer, Army Hammer, Hammer, Hammer plays both of the twins, but he did it by they shot everything twice with a body double. Like there's another there's another actor who plays the other twin, and they di- they shot everything twice with them swapped over, and yeah. then digitally swapped it. But Com- they were going- composited it together as, yeah. as uh, where they could and how they could. Yeah. But they, but they were going off live footage of a live actor, whereas this is someone who's been dead since 1994, being reconstructed on top of Guy Henry. Yeah. It's like what the and so I they have that first scene with him, and I'm like, oh wow, that's really neat. They're going to use the reflection in the in the window of the Star Destroyer, and he's not going to. They're just going to use him sparingly, and then and then he fucking turns round. Yeah, really like oh fucking hell, so they're really going for it. And then he has another scene, and then he has the gall to lean into camera and go, "I'll be back at least three more times yeah. in this movie." He has another scene, and then he has another scene, and then he has another scene. I'm like fucking hell, and it's not perfect, but it's it's almost it's, there. It's, it's like so ninety eight. It's ninety eight percent there. Yeah. And I think the two the two percent that won't allow you to accept it entirely isn't down to their work. I think it's down to the human brain and the uncanny valley. I think it's down yeah. to us going. That's not real. That can't be real. Well, that's what that, is this? That's the thing with the uncanny valley is that it it feel it feels more uncomfortable the closer it becomes to real. Yeah. That's, that's true. So, the, when you're closest to real, but not quite there, is when it feels the weirdest. Yeah. So it's it is it is in that, but 
at the same time, like this stuff's not going to get any better if they don't keep doing it. And this is the most ambitious use of it I've ever seen. And like hats off them, hats off, hats off to them for having the balls to try it. Yeah, because this technology doesn't develop unless you go for it. Yeah, exactly. So and they will take notes from this and go, right, how can we get better? Yeah. And then they do it again at the very end of the movie with Leia, with like a, yeah. like a 1977 Carrie Fisher. Boom. There you go. There she Which kind of had to be like the end of this movie. Like, yeah, when you think it, about it, it logically. Be, yeah. It's like, every, like I, I don't know about you, but I knew exactly what the ending of The Revenge of the Sith was going to be before it came out. Like, I knew that that movie was going to end with Ben Kenobi handing Luke to the to the Lazes and walking off into the Tatooine Waste to the Force theme, which then cuts into the closing credits. Yeah. I knew that was gonna, how that movie was going to end, because that was the only way logically it could end. To the point where... so I, But then, it wasn't until I was like halfway through this movie that I'm like, okay, no, this movie has to end with those plans getting onto the uh, Tantive 4 and Leia, uh, Leia having the plans, being handed the plans. That's how this movie ends. That's how it's got to end. It's yeah, not I, it to make sense otherwise. I think it hit me when um, Bail Organa said to Mon Mothma and she, said, she sort of said, like, your Jedi friend, could he help us? And you go, oh, Obi-Wan! Yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, he's gone, stuff like, but it's all right, she can take them. It's like, do you trust her? And he says, I trust her with my life. Yeah, And yeah. I went, oh shit, he's talking about his adopted daughter. He's talking about Leia. Leia is, of course, going to be the bullet point at the end of this movie. She like, has there was, to be. There was, there was no way she wasn't going to be, at that point, it was like, oh no. Yeah, they're going to go there. They have to go there. It's the only thing that makes sense. Um, now, one thing that didn't make sense to me was that? how the hell uh, Walrus Face and Pighead managed to get off of Jeddah in time. <laughs> Because about half an hour before the Death Star explodes the damn place, they make a cheeky cameo going, You watch yourself. It's like, hang on. You you two need to be in Mos Eisley in a couple days. When you think about it, they're in a bar in Mos Eisley where there's a fuckload of pilots. Yeah. So it makes more sense that they've got, that they've just left Jeddah and gone straight to. Yeah, there was was lots of footage of ships coming and going throughout the scene. So, So, um, although according to the novelization, the little girl that that Jin saves. Doesn't get so lucky. Apparently, oh. I've not read the novelization, but apparently her last moments are in the novelization. Oh, Christ alive. <laughs> like, she see the destruction of Jenna from her point of view. Like, oh, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the idea like this like part, partially operational space station hits the planet with such force, it cracks open the crust of the planet and then it just fucks everything up. Yeah, um, like one side of that spinning rock is never going to get better. No, ever. No. There's a hole in that planet now. There's a dear Liza, dear Liza. Planet. There's a hole in my planet. Uh, <laughs> um, Saw Guerrero was a little bit weird. I like Forrest Whitaker's. I like his I, performance. I love the design. I, I I admire the balls on him for that choice. Yeah, that, that it's, it's a ballsy acting choice, and I love the way Can, he leans into it. Specifically, considering the previous version of Saw Guerrero from uh, Clone Wars. Sounded nothing fucking like that. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Forrest Whitaker's coming back to do it for Rebels. Nice. So, oh, that's gonna are they, they the going to do like what they did with Commander Rex, where they sort of cut to, and this is what they've been up to since Clone Wars. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to like fill in the Clone Wars gap, but it's going to be in Rebels. Yeah. So, well, because well, they did that with Commander Rex, like one of the yeah, clone yeah. troopers. Uh, he's, he's he and a couple of his troopers uh, are in Rebels, aren't they? And they're, they're yeah, sort of, yeah. 
they're sort of like 20 years older than they were in they're sandworm hunters on on this desert planet in like a re like repurposed um uh, uh, old republic walker nice (laughs) fucking awesome <laughs> it's really good. Um, oh man, Rebels is really good. It's it's worth watching. And that's also, amazing. That's amazing that they've got Forrest Whitaker then to, to join yeah. them in the next season to play Saw Gerrera. Well, that's a, pretty cool. There's a bunch of Rebels references in this as well. Because, there was again, yeah. again because of course it has to be like the Ghost is in the in, is in the space battle over Scarif. General yeah. Sundulas mentioned, and that's which could be uh, one of two, couldn't it? Oh, they've said. I think one of the people. The guy who runs the story group, I forget his name, but the guy who runs the Star Wars story group and manages all the continuity, as soon as I said, yeah, it's it's not Hera's father, like it is in Rebels. It's Hera from Rebels who's been promoted to general. That is awesome. So um, it is her. And that is such a cool she, nod. Yeah. Um, so and Chopper's in it as well, the droid. He's in yeah. one of the background in one of the scenes. Chopper's a great droid. I love Chopper. Uh, <laughs> as as for where Kanan and Ezra, are, I don't know. I don't know if they're even still alive by the time the new hope rolls around. Um, Holy shit, they're dead. So there's the (laughs) other thing, of course, the other returning character in this film. Fucking Vader. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Way to make Vader effective again. Jesus. Well, for one scene... um, because he gets two sequences. He gets yeah, one yeah. scene, and what I, I don't know if the, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but I'm sure I've read it somewhere. Krennic visits Vader in his castle. It's, it's on Mustafar, yeah. It's, it's on, on Mustafar. Mustafar, is it? Yeah. Which is I yeah. love because that makes so much sense. He would set up his place at the basically at the plate. Uh, he would set up his home at the ruins on the planet where he essentially was born. But that's an idea that's been bouncing around since Empire, I think, because there's some Ralph Macquarie mm. concept art bouncing around for Vader's castle. Yeah, because apparently, uh, I think in the old Expanded Universe, he had three castles. Like, he had three homes. I'm not sure about something the old like that. But yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, but I love that idea. We see him in a bloody back-to-tank, yeah. essentially, like which, a healing again, tank. Which, again, makes perfect sense. This movie does a really good job of taking, like, filling in gaps... Yeah, he didn't well, he, really think about. He, he's he's a lim- he's he's a limbless burn victim. Like yeah. he needs to be healed. He needs to be soothed. So he has two imp- he has two emperor's guards either side of his room. Uh, the, the guys in red. Yeah, and he's visited by an by like an acolyte. Yeah, so he's got which like, which is from the old EU, isn't it? But I, yeah. I guess they're going to incorporate it into this one too, where he has like followers. He has worshippers mm-hmm. who are mm-hmm. all creepy little uh, Sith wannabe dudes. And it's like, oh, that's such a nice touch. And the internet have naturally started wanking themselves off and going, oh, I bet it's Snoke. It's not, it's not Snoke. It's not Snoke. No. It's just a dude. It's just a random it's, dude. It's just a dude. Um, and then he has a chat with Krennic, which is kind of cool, but a little cheesy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit cheesy. Which Choke I, I, on I your ambitions. Yeah. I, I just love Vader being like, and I bet, he, I bet as he walks off from Krennic, he's like, oh, that was so good. I was so on I, point with that joke. <laughs> I I earn tonight's beer. I was kind of half. I was kind of half expecting him to like be careful not to choke on your ambitions, and then he flops the sunglasses out of his pocket, and flips them on, and it's like yeah. And it's the opening credits of CSI Miami. Like no, a, st- a stormtrooper would pop out and go yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, just like. 
the, imp- the imperial the imperial guard uh, men's choir suddenly join up and go. <laughs> Be careful not to choke on your ambitions. Hey. Yay! <laughs> Henry Winkler, Henry Winkler just pops out the lava and goes, "Hey, hey! <laughs> I'm a skeleton!" Ah! Ah! <laughs> Pardon me. Um, but uh, then but the second the co- sequence is in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ! Oh sweet lord! Basically, they went, "Hey, um, you know, Vader's the ultimate badass." And then, which, which the comics actually kind of, have been doing a great job of showing. The comics well, have been doing a great job of showing that. Back that's the you. first thing that came to mind for me. Yeah. They were like, you know, how George sort of undermined all that by sticking him on cereal boxes in 2005 and and having him squeal no like a little bitch. Well, how about we take a leaf from Marvel comics book, yeah, right now, yeah, and just give one sequence where Vader is a fucking intergalactic bouse. It's literally just an unstoppable engine of death. The, again, the Nostalgia Critic uh, Rogue One review parodies that scene beautifully. Like, it's excellent. They do a version where he's basically just like, I'm not even using my hands, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> the saber's just swirling round, and he's like, you're going to go on the ceiling. <laughs> and then he's got the last guy who sort of tries to attempt fisticuffs, and he goes, okay, all right, like throws the saber down, he says, yeah, come on in, come on, oh, wait, I can choke a bitch. And he just like <laughs> chokes him from across the corridor <laughs> and then picks up his hilt and just drops it. <laughs> Amazing. Like, like a mic drop. Um, Amazing. Yeah, that sequence was great because that was the bit where your brain, if it had any doubt as to where the film was going to end, went, yep, because you saw the rebel pilots and soldiers mm-hmm. in that corridor and they're all dressed like they are in the opening scene of Star Wars. And they're all legging it to try and get to a ship at the end of this tunnel. And they all like, oh. die. Oh, they all die in glorious battle slash slaughter. No, there's no battle there. Like, Vader <laughs> at no point is troubled by any of that shit. He's like, I'm not even going to rush. I'm not even going to rush. I'm just, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. I'm going to lift you up and chop you in two by walking under you. I'm oh, you're dead. Man. You're dead. You're dead. Oh, you, you got the door? All right. You're dead. And also the door's open now. Like... <laughs> Oh, God, it was great. And it's just, but it's just that, because you, you know it's coming, but it's just that, it's just the, the smoke. And yeah. you can't see anything, and you hear his breathing, and then the saber goes on. And you're like, oh, shit, it's on, bro. Um, it is on. Um, it just, yeah, it just <laughs> plugs into that sort of primal nostalgia of what made Vader so cool in the first place. Well, yeah, because like, in that first film, he wasn't a mythical part of the, of, of the story. He wasn't the Force and all that. Like, he used the Force, yeah. and he killed Luke's dad. We and knew that much. He slowly um, becomes terrifying, though. But just like... Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, 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 at the start of that first film, he's just the, he's just an intergalactic bouncer. Like he's he's the he's the fist of the empire. Yeah. Like that. That's all. And it's over the course of the second movie, you go, wait, he's got a bigger role in this. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he so invested? What's going on? And obviously, by the end of Empire, you're like, oh shit. Like, and that's when he sort of becomes part of the. Um, Sort of the, inter- the 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 interwoven tapestry of the saga. Yeah, he always he always was. We just didn't know it until that yeah. point. So this film returns him back to being the fist of the empire. Like this man is basically their cleanup crew, their one man cleanup crew, who they send in to F S 
up. Yeah, just like, <laughs> Tarkin's like, oh yeah, Vader, Vader will take care of the fleet. And then the fucking, the Star just comes out of light speed and breaks apart the ships. Like, Jesus oh. Christ. <laughs> like, the, 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 the Empire has never been so efficient in a yeah. film. Like, they yeah, are, like- they... Between between this and the Force Awakens, stormtroopers are actually threatening now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like they were they always co- they were up. always cool and they always looked great and they always like immediately appealed to us because of their design and everything. But these last two films have, have made you go, Oh yeah, they're dangerous. And as you were saying before, like with the start of the film maybe being a little patchy, but the um just like the sheer the, sh- the sheer power of that last act of the film, where it's, yeah. it's a war film, it's it's sort of like it's like Saving Private Ryan in places, but with less blood and guts. But it's got that same sort of dirtiness to it, yeah. Which is, which is kind of the thing that's always been great. Uh, that, that that was so great about the original Star Wars trilogy that the prequels missed the point of is the dirtiness of everything. It's a used, it's a used yeah. universe, and it's just like it's a universe where amazing things are possible, and technology is it, it, it's just so pervasive that it, you don't have to worry about a lot of things that we do day to day but it's still dirty it's like it's, it's stuff that's been made by people's hands and it's oily and greasy and gritty <laughs> and then to, to make that into a war film yeah and just like, yeah to just <clears throat> to just bathe in it basically yeah. um uh, i will say in terms of in terms of flaws we'll, we'll touch on some but like i do agree with a lot of the reviews there was a lot of missed opportunity to meet and really get to know some of the characters. Yeah. But I think the reason they did it, and I don't think this excuses it, but I think the reason they did it is because they still want to sell lunchboxes. They still want to sell toys. They still want families to see this movie. So if you get to love Bodhi Rook and like, you know, (laughs) Cassian and everybody, you're going to feel like shit by the end of the movie. Oh yeah, because they all die. Everyone dies. Yeah, they all die. (laughs) And they've been through some like trying stuff but you do never get you never get to know them really well there's not like a character beat Cassian sort of gets one where you learn about how he 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 doesn't like doing the shit he has to do like the dirty shit he has to do for the rebellion he's like listen I don't have to I don't want I don't like shooting Danny Mays in the back yeah poor Danny Mays (laughs) like you know what I mean like you know I, I, I you get that, and you obviously see Jin's sort of origin, as it yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. But you don't really get to know anyone. Like, I wanted to know why Bodhi ran away, why he decided to defect from the Empire. I don't want to rely on my knowledge of Finn. I, I want to see why. Yeah. Give me that. Give me a scene where he talks about that instead of a scene where a bloody hentai squid shows up for no reason. That was weird, wasn't it? That it was, was po- weird. It was pointless. I think it only existed... <clears throat> Because they wanted him to sort of be not in a right mental state when they first meet him in the cells. Maybe. But do you know how <clears> you do that? You have Saul's men rough him up for information. Yeah. And then you yeah. then you have him sort of beaten and, and, and you know, like half conscious. Like, because it didn't... It was like, this squid's going to read your brain and tell us if you're lying or not. Um, it might It might kill your brain cells, though, if it does it. So, bye... And then when we next see Saw, Saw doesn't give a shit what the truth was. It's not anything he's fussed about. No, so it's like, no, no. oh, what was the point of that sequence? Other than maybe, I don't know, we've got to have a big jab of the hook kind of thing in here somewhere. Maybe Kathleen Kennedy's got a tentacle fetish. 
That'd explain that and the Rathtars. I don't want to. I don't want to go into Kathleen Kennedy's fetish. The 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 other pointless right. scene in New Star Wars, the Rathtar yeah. sequence. Well, you can't have a monster, haven't you? I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It Kathleen was weird. Kennedy's Kathleen Kennedy's uh, two fetishes: tentacle porn and not hiring female directors. Yes. Oh my god. Oh. Okay, um, uh, but I think I think Gareth Edwards did a pretty damn good job with it. Yeah. I, th- yep. I think, considering like Gareth Gareth's done, this is third film, third big film mm-hmm. after Monsters and Godzilla, um, and I think he, like you say, his biggest task was to make this feel like a world we know, but not a story we we know well. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Like we we know the outcome, but we don't know how it happened. It's basically like yo, um, and, and he achieves it I, really well. Oh yeah, I think he does a brilliant job. But it's basically a case of it's a. It's a really solid action movie. It's got a couple of flaws in it, but I think it was definitely a case of they had a couple of different versions of this movie and they weren't really settled on it until they went back for reshoots. I think I think Ben Mendelsohn has, has come out and said, like, we did a lot of different versions of some of this stuff. And yeah. there's loads of stuff in the trailers that's not in the movie. And I think Gareth, Gareth Edwards has even said, like, I, I shot that stuff. And then I knew it wasn't going to be in the movie like pretty much after we shot it, before the trailers came out. And I turned around to Disney and said, you know, that that stuff's not going to be in the movie. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. That happens, that happens all the time. We're going to put it in the trailers because it looks cool. But it's not going to be in the movie yeah. and that's fine. Cause that's, <clears throat> that's, that's... None of it was particularly like lies. I don't, I don't, no, I don't no. feel let down by certain shots. I mean, there was one thing I was really looking forward to seeing that I was myth wasn't in it, which was Jin confronting a TIE fighter at the yeah, top of the tower. that was cool. That, that looked cool. pretty badass. It's a shame that wasn't in it. But, um, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Krennic, damn good. Um, yeah, look, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn's always great when he pops yeah. in. Like, no matter what he's in, Ben Mendelsohn is always great. But he's clearly enjoying himself in oh, this as yeah, well. Yeah. Like, he, he's like, I'm going to be Boo Hiss. Like, I'm, just, serious, I'm just going to yeah. be Boo Hiss. There's some serious yeah. moustache twirling going on in this movie. <clears throat> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Which is nice, which, which is... Which is Needed in films now a lot more. We don't have black and white villains so much anymore, and I, I, I'd like to have some. Um, like you know, it's it's great to have your Kylo Ren's, but like if Snoke's not just evil, then I don't care. If if Hooks isn't just evil, then I don't care. Like you need some bad guys, and and Krennic was like the only relatable thing about him was he wants to succeed. The problem was what he wanted to succeed in was mass genocide on a galactic scale, and to make himself look promotable. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was pretty yeah. black and white in that sense, and that he, he, he was clearly having a lot of fun playing that. Um, the two the two guys who were the keepers of the the of the wills, which was a nice reference, like the, the sort of the guys who look after sort of the the Jedi legend in Jeddah. Yeah, all of it being a reference to the original title of the movies, which was Luke Starkiller and the Journal of the Wills. It was, it was the Adventures of Luke Starkiller as taken yeah. from the Journal of the Wills. As taken from the Journal of the Wills. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's nice to know that the the Wills have made it back into yeah the films, which is quite cool. And I wonder if they'll touch on that again somewhere else. I think. Well, we. I think we'll get if we get any more like Jedi mythology. I think it'll be in Episode Eight because I think Luke will probably go into that with Ray. <laughs> During yeah. Ray's training, and let's face it, if that's if that's what hap- if that's not what happens in Episode Eight, then what's Episode Eight? I... It it doesn't even go here. No, um, no, no. no. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's but, but yeah, like uh, anyone who complained about like oh Ray's too powerful in Force Awakens, she's not. 
the Force just helps her at certain moments. That's not how the Force works. But it kind of is <laughs> when you look back at like the original films. Like Ben basically teaches Luke the basics within a day. Yeah, yeah. And the Force is, it's, you know, it surrounds us, it penetrates us. Like it, it, it is one with everything. I think it's the thing. If you're sensitive enough, it can work through you very quickly. Yeah, but if, and, and but essentially, think, it's magic. It's magic. It's space magic. But I think That's you've also got. In this in this movie, I think what you've also got of an example of is someone who isn't particularly force sensitive, having attuned themselves to the force through a lifetime of practice in yeah. um, Donnie Yen's character, in anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I'm sorry, no one who isn't force sensitive walks through a field of blaster fire and doesn't get hit. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what was like, that's what was brilliant yeah. about that end. It was sort yeah, exactly. of like that. It was kind of the there you go to the people who confronted it in Force Awakens, saying, mm-hmm. look. It can help you do certain things because ultimately the force needs to be balanced. There needs to be good and evil. And at the minute, there is a lot of evil. So if the force is trying to sway things in the favor of good, I'll buy that. It's not fucking things in your bloodstream. The force is space magic. I will buy it. I will completely buy it. It's space magic. Yeah, it's space Space magic. magic. Um, so I liked that. I liked that a lot. The fact that he sort of just strolled through the thing and it, it allowed him to survive long enough to further the goal. Yeah. But not to like, you know, live forever, which is fine. That makes sense. Well, he's not a Jedi, um, so he can't deflect those basketballs. Have you ever felt sad at the sight of a slightly sarcastic robot being shot dead? Oh man, K2SO was so good. <laughs> Alan Tudjik, man. Like, they just, like, <laughs> it's not a good Star Wars movie unless there's a good droid character in it. Yeah. It's BB-8 in Force Awakens. Yeah. R2 There's... throughout the saga with C-3PO as well. R2, R2 throughout the episode... R2 and 3PO in the original trilogy. R2 and 3PO in the prequels are not good. Uh, but R2 <laughs> and 3PO in the original trilogy are great. Um, but yeah, BB-8 in, in Force Awakens and K2SO in... in it's just so good. It's just... It, like, like... First of all, like Alan Tudyk is a fucking awesome performer. I love seeing him and stuff. Um, and he's such a versatile, I think we said this when we were talking about Moana, he's such a versatile performer vocally. And I've yeah. seen, I like watching some other stuff of him, like I've been watching a bit of Dollhouse recently and seeing him in that. Like he's a really versatile performer physically as well. Um, but then, yeah, when you, when you get him on, when you let him loose on something like this, it's, um, yeah, it's great. It's just really, it's really pleasant to watch. And um, I, I mean, there's, there's, I think some people have been maybe doing overdoing the K2SO love a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, he's good, but he's you know he's not the funniest thing in the world. Um, but it, it, he's you know he's a really endearing character, and that's that's another thing that Star Wars has already been good at. It's like humanizing robotics, even when they don't even talk. Yeah, um, like so your, your, your little tiny box dudes yeah. in, in the films, and, and the bloody uh, oh god, I'm trying what they call it, the mouse droids, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. like. Well, I, like R two and BB, like they don't, yeah, they, they don't speak, but you know what they're saying. Yes, although oh. <laughs> and there's also a wonderful line in the in the current comics about how foul mouthed R two D two is. Like <laughs> if you could speak English, Star Wars would be an eighteen. Like <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's very that's very sort of like Terry Pratchett, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's this the idea. It's just it, yeah. This this. This adorable little droid who speaks in bleeps and bloops is actually saying, fucking hell, I'm fucking... R2 speaking to Triple Zero and BT-1, who are basically Darth Vader's evil version of 3PO and R2. Yeah. And <laughs> Triple Zero's like, I... that's some of the most offensive language I've ever heard. 
<laughs> and I and I'm an assassin droid. I kill people for a living. <laughs> That's it's, so cool. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I got a load of Amazon vouchers for Christmas, and I am basically going to spend them all on the paperbacks for Marvel Star yeah, Wars. Pick, I haven't read yet. Definitely pick. I mean, the the, the, the Princess Leia miniseries is good, but it's not essential. Um, the Shattered Empire. I'll, I'll, I'll get that from Book Depot then, slightly yeah, cheaper. Yeah. Shattered Empire is good, but it's not essential. I've read that one. That um, one's okay. Yeah. It most it mostly exists to go. Here's a bit of cleanup, and also this is Poe Dameron's parents fucking. Yes, basically. basically. <laughs> this is the conception of Poe Dameron. Enjoy the, the stuff you should get. Get the first two volumes of Vader. I've got the first one. Yeah, I need to crack get, on and get the second. Yeah. Get the first two volumes of Star Wars. I've get read Va- those. They're amazing. Get Vader down. Oh, that, I really want to read that one. Because that's the crossover between the two that comes after the second volume of each. And then yeah, just... the ba- basic premise for that, boys and girls, if you don't know, is Vader crash lands on a planet and a bunch of people are like, now is our chance. <laughs> the Go rebels... there and wipe him out. The rebels literally <laughs> send everything they've got at him. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> Lo- lots of people die. What happened? Um... I saw security footage of him... A security hologram of him killing younglings and oldlings and middlings and uh, just, just everyone. Just everyone. <laughs> Kills everyone. Um, yeah, like the comics, the current comics go a long way to, to like restoring Vader's status as a badass. Like the current comics in general are just, they're just really fucking good. Yeah. Like there's no no ifs and buts or maybes. That the, the, the main Star Wars series that Marvel are publishing at the moment is great uh the other spin-off stuff they've been doing is is all of varying quality but it's it's all at least good yeah yeah, yeah there's not even none of it's been bad yet so um yeah <laughs> go and give it a read go and give Espe- it a read especially if you want to know how 3po got that red hole oh um, God, yeah. yeah so so i suppose to wrap up on rogue one yeah uh what what would you for those who've listened to this Still don't care about spoilers, but maybe you want to go see it. What would you say to them? Um, just what are you doing? What, what else are you doing? Just go and see it. It's great. Like what? What you think? You're gonna sit at home and watch shit TV, or you're gonna go to the cinema and watch Rogue One be great? It's really good. It's a really good movie. It's great fun. Star Wars goodness. All the things you love about Star Wars. X wings, Tie Fighter, the space battle over Scarif. Jeez, the battle on Scarif and the space battle over Scarif. Like. The hammerhead, the hammerhead frigate that crashes the star destroyer into another yes. star destroyer into a space station. Like, come on! It's that, fi- that final thirty-five minutes is incredible. <clears throat> yeah, it's really good. Like, if that was the movie, I'd be completely fine with that. Like, if, if that last thirty-five minutes was the whole film, I'd be like, yeah, I'm still paying full price. Yeah, because that yeah, is yeah. an incredible sequence. Um, I would say, uh, if you don't like Star Wars, um, this isn't going to change your mind. But if you are craving some good Star Wars stuff and if you're slightly worried about, oh, God, if they're going to keep making movies every year from now on, will the quality lessen? Go and see this and yeah. rest your panicked mind. I feel way it... better about having a Star Wars movie every year after I haven't seen this. Yeah. Like if this is, if this yeah. is what they're like going forward, bring it on. Absolutely mm-hmm. bring it on. Bye, Jingo. Yes, do so. Um, right, now we're out of the spoiler zone. Now, 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 we're out of the spoiler zone for Star Wars, a Rogue One story, by Star Wars Rogue One, a Star Wars story. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> a Rogue Wars star one story. A Rogue One star. Uh, Rogue star one. Uh, let's get into some questions. A light week for questions this week. Um, so we're going to breeze through them. Like a, a breeze through a breeze. Um, Do you know what? Bring them on. After meeting Father Christmas last week, my character has changed completely. <laughs> what? Yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, it was the excuse given for last Christmas, the Doctor Who Christmas special. Oh, yeah. That, that oh, was, look, that... he, he rode Santa's sleigh. Now he's a happier Doctor. Oh, what? what we, oh, Nick, Nick, we, need, we should get Nick Frost for... Uh, what should we do? Oh, oh, we'll make him Santa. He's fat. We'll make him Santa. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, right. Uh, Jean-Luc has been in touch with us. Uh, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. He sent us a couple of emails. Uh, first of which is... Get off my lawn, he says. Uh, get off my lawn. Hey, Chris and Matt. You may have already talked about this. We haven't. But the Emoji Movie. Fuck. What is your guys' opinion on basing a movie around emojis and what did you make of the trailer? I personally think it looks bloody awful. P.S. I'm sure I've also read somewhere that Doctor Who Series 10 is apparently going to have an emoji-based episode as well. And then a sad face emoji. Um, I haven't touched the trailer. Uh, I don't think my brain could compute it without hitting something really hard afterwards. No, I haven't touched it because I feel like it's going to give me a rash. Yeah, oh. It's just... Why? What What the fuck is an emoji movie anyway? What is that? Well, we are in a world where... The Trolls got a movie, Troll Dolls, without ever referencing Troll Dolls or creating new Troll Doll merchandise on a mass scale. We live in a world where the Lego movie had no right to be good and turned out to be kind of excellent. The Lego movie was amazing. So... But I don't think you could necessarily repeat that. Well, that's the thing. I'm open to anything, but are you fucking kidding me? The Emoji movie? Like they're a craze? No, they're they're just something that's being incorporated into digital communication and are used by lazy people when they can't think of words. No, Chris, I mean, I don't think you understand, Chris. It's a new language. No, no, chuck a smile in if you feel if you feel like make if you feel like doing something cheeky. Throw in a love heart. Throw in an animal. But don't like create old sentences using a freaking poop with a face. But it's a new language. Bullshit is what it is. <laughs> can it speak? Can they speak bocce? No, so I don't care. Can it speak emoji? Can can C three PO speak emoji? No, because he erases <laughs> bullshit from his memory. Does he? Um, does, he? does he though? No. The um, badass robots from Battlestar Galactica versus the gay robots from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> like I, I think the emoji movie is going to be a blight on cinema. Hopefully, yeah. one that's not remembered or dwelled on for too long. Well, look um, at the Angry Birds movie. It came and went and no one gave a shit. So, apparently that wasn't terrible, though. But it also wasn't funny. No. <laughs> from what I've heard. No, I suppose. And um, here we are, here we are with, yes, genuinely, I can't confirm this as a source, but based on what I've seen from on the web, yes, there is a Doctor Who episode on the way, and you can see it in that trailer as well, with robots that use emojis. So... Go fuck yourself, 2017. I already don't like you. I already hate this year, and it's not even this year yet. Sad face um, emoji. Face emoji that looks sort of like a frown with a red forehead. Poop. Poop emoji. Everyone loves the poop emoji. I have no idea why. Um, okay. Another one from Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc! Merry Christmas, big damn cast. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you baby for cakes. belated Christmas. So this was your first year. Me and my family didn't bother watching the Christmas special together due to it always being disappointing or just god-awful. <laughs> True that. 
Um, however, I actually enjoyed it, even if it did play on every cliche in the book. What did you think of Capaldi's performance? And also, did you notice how Nardole would just randomly appear and disappear during scenes? Um, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I didn't. So, but yeah, if you could, <laughs> if if you could enjoy something, more power to you. Um, it is super cliche, though. You're right about that. I like Capaldi's performance more than I've liked it for a while. Um, but he he does fall back on the whole thing of being like he's. Weird, 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 weird guy, weird guy, kind of funny, kind of funny, kind of endearing. And then he confronts the villain and he's like, I've destroyed many villains, ah, ha, ha, be afraid of me, blah, 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 blah. and then the TARDIS appears around him and he escapes. Like, how many times are you going to go to villains and be like, ah, I'm the Doctor and you need to be scared of me? I'm like, what? What is that? What is even that? Yeah, yeah do, do you know what Pertwee did? He either karate chopped him or got the fucking job done. Yeah, like, get the job done. Just don't, do like, that. don't monologue about it. Just do something. Um, even even Tennant would just threaten it. Just be like, he wouldn't be gra- aggrandized. He'd just go, seriously, this is your last warning. Yeah. And then they'd um, be like, ha ha ha. And he'd go, right. And he'd take him down. Like, there um, wouldn't be any of this, like, I am the doctor and I name you the split headed German blokes. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Um. <laughs> Uh, Nadol would just randomly appear and disappear. Um, uh, well, I don't, th- I don't. I'm not sure if that was happening or if it was just like choppy edited and poor direction. Uh, I think it's them I... going, "Hey, do you know everybody kind of really liked um, Frank Skinner's character in yeah, yeah. Mummy on the Orient Express, and we all sort of slightly wish, out of curiosity at least, he'd taken up that offer to stay on the TARDIS and repair it." Just so that there'd be a couple of episodes where he randomly is in there somewhere working on something. Um, yeah, we missed out on that. Uh, fuck it. Matt Lucas can do it now. Appear. Appear from other places. Oh, yes, do that. Appear from other places. Eh. Please do. Um, eh. Eh. Uh, so, yeah. Eh. eh. Moji. Um, and, of course, our regular correspondent in front of the show, Jacob. Jacob, Jacob, he says, hello to Jacob, oh welcome sir to this the podcast, hello, Jacob, 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 I wrote that Jacob for you. Hello to you Jacob, um, <laughs> hello Chris and Matt, I hope you had a fantastic Christmas, we did, thank you very much, I hope, yes, you, had a great one. I hope you had a great one too, uh, and I really hope you didn't watch the return of a really shite Stephen Moffat Christmas special on Christmas day as it was shite, and boring, and no other words can be used except extremely bad language. Yeah, uh, I, I you feel more strongly about that I do, but I do agree with you that it was not good. Um, if I had to compare to it to another Christmas special, it would be The Snowmen, but it isn't as good as The Snowmen. To look on the bright side, it is the very last Steemo Christmas special. I like that Steemo. It's a good put myself. Ah, ah um, it's not. Oh, is it not? His last episode's next Christmas. Ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, just gone limp. Um, the very last <laughs> Christmas special in the unitard of Doctor Who. I thought the best part of the episode was the next time trailer, so therefore the end of the episode and the next time trailer wasn't that great. Fair no. enough. I, I would I agree. agree. I would agree with like. Well, I don't know if the best part of the episode was the next time trailer, but yeah, it was great. It, the whole thing was just a bit of a mess. A bill um, and I serve the chips. I just realised how much geeky stuff I do in the last two weeks. I went to see Moana, cool, uh, and I've seen Rouge One twice. Nice. Um, Moana was all right, oh, fair enough. And that is uh, rough one, <laughs> like that. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, it's probably my second favourite Star Wars movie uh, over the 
uh, <laughs> other than the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> I have only seen three Star Wars movies in the cinema, and it's probably not three Star Wars movies you're thinking of. I had to see many moons ago, Star Wars The Phantom Menace in 3D in 2012, and The Force Awakens, and Rouge One. That makes sense. If you, yeah. if you, I mean, you said you were what you were, you were a young young fella. You're a whippersnapper. So like, I, I mean, I I saw. We're a fair bit older, but I saw the first one I saw in the cinema was um, the re-release of A New Hope in '97. Yeah, they did it around the time of the VHS. Uh, yeah, the special the, editions. The, the special editions. Um, I didn't see Empire or Jedi in the cinema, but then I saw Phantom Menace three times <laughs> because I was eleven, and it spoke um, to you. <laughs> I saw Attack of the Clones twice because I was fourteen. And I saw Revenge of the Sith three times because there was not going to be anything else as far as I was aware. So, um, yeah, I was, I was, and then I got older and was like, oh man, those films were bad. Um, anyway. I I saw um, a light then when you did that. Uh, I saw uh, Phantom Menace uh, when I was eight. Um, I saw Attack of the Clones twice. Um, and on the second viewing, that was 2002, wasn't it? So I was 11. Yeah. On yeah. the second viewing, I realised I didn't like it. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh, cool, Star Wars. And then the second time I went, I don't think this is good. And then I saw I saw Revenge of the Sith twice because I watched that at the age of fourteen and went, oh that was better I think. So I went to watch it again and then I came out going, well it was better than the last one, but I don't think that was good either. And I just I felt really sad because it was pocket uh, it was pocket money that was spent and I just felt like I'd wasted it. Oh uh, well, that's uh, certainly yeah. bigger than the last one. Oh Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Talking about disappointing sequels. <laughs> they like um, to get the monuments. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Jacob's email. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think the excitement of seeing The Force Awakens will ever be exceeded by any movie. That is why The Force Awakens is my favourite Star Wars movie. I know it isn't the best storyline, but the excitement I felt when I saw it was amazing. I know what you mean about that. Like, um, I don't... <laughs> I actually When I went to see Return of the King, of all things, <laughs> I actually cried. Oh, because but... <laughs> Because I was like... I'm never going to get to see this for the first time again because Aww. I was so excited for it, and it was great as well. Like it was uh, also uh, also there were bits that had me in tears because it was legitimately a great fucking movie. But yeah, I know what you mean about like Force Awakens being excited, being the excitement for that making it even better because the, the anticipation's there for it. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean about that. Uh, before I get to Doctor Who questions, I want to say how good the Dirk Gently Netflix series is. I still haven't watched it. I do need to. Chris, I know you love it. Yeah, I've, um, I've, enjo- I've enjoyed the first four so far. They're pretty cool. Um, I don't have words to explain how good it is. It definitely encapsulates my favourite author and script editor, Douglas Adams' vision. Well, that's good to hear because I love Douglas Adams. And if it's true to the spirit of his work, I'm all about it. Yeah, it's, it's very much a case of this looks and feels nothing like what you guess from the books when you read them. And it's definitely better than the BBC4 series from a few years ago. Um, but the moment it starts, you go, oh shit, this has his backbone. Like this has his sensibility yeah. at its core. And, and that's why it works. Which I think um, is often more important in adaptations than actually yeah. plots and things like that. <clears throat> and the details are not necessarily as important as the feeling of it. Plus, Fiona Duriff steals the show from everybody in it. She's amazing in it. Well, she should give it back, the selfish bitch. <laughs> um, 
God. Now for Doctor Who questions. Oh God! Um, oh God! What is your favourite <laughs> classic Doctor Who story? I think we've touched on this before. Um, <clears throat> mine is probably uh, Spirit from Space, tied maybe with City of Death and uh, the Five Doctors, because that one just is the most enjoyable piece of TV ever. Well, that's a that, mm, mm, Is it though? Is it? The Five um, Doctors is a fucking blast. It's amazing. My, my answer is it's a blast. Of, it's a shit blast. Um, <gasps> Madam, it's what a year blast. is this? It's a shit blast from Herndl's Horn. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I, my answer changes every time that this question comes up. But today, I think it's going to be either Pyramids of Mars or Robots of Death. I knew um, it. I bloody knew it was those two. Uh, <laughs> Favorite, uh, uh, favorite out of the Doctor Who and the Daleks. Uh, favorite out of the Doctor Who and the Daleks films. Uh, it's Dalek Ooh. Invasion of the Twenty One Fifty AD, of course, because of the S and M Robo Men. Um, Dirty swine, and um, that and that flying saucer design. Um, I've got to agree because oh. that's the one that tends to show up on bank holidays more, and it is pretty yeah. damn great. And that was when I that was what I remember as a kid. It's like, oh, it's a bank holiday. Let's watch Dalek Invasion of Twenty One Fifty AD again. Oh my god! Um, does that mean we get to have a third Doctor Who movie now that they can CGI Peter Cushing? Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> if you could bring if you could bring any classic writer back to write for New Who, who would it be? Uh, are, we, are we counting necromancy in that? Um, yeah, I suppose you can uh, involve, you can include necromancy. Okay, uh, Robert Doug, Douglas Adams. Uh, I'd like to see a Doug- I'd like to see a modern sensibility Douglas Adams script with David Tennant's yeah, doctor like, in I mean, it. I'd, I'd just like Douglas Adams to still be around and just be writing in general. Da- be grand. David Tennant or Matt said. David Tennant or Matt Smith's doctors in a Douglas Adams story would be oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, see, I I kind of felt that Rusty's time in the show had a sort of a Damsian feel to it at times, especially by, especially that, by series four. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why I liked it so much because it wasn't afraid to embrace the absurd. Yeah. Um, Stick an animal head on something and call it an alien. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'd, like, Vogons wouldn't have fell out of place in a uh, a tenant story, I don't feel. Um, Favourite Tom Baker story, I think we've just covered that. Um, <laughs> uh, mine's, yeah, probably City of Death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Favourite Richard E. Grant story, well, there's only one, and it's Scream with the Shalka, which is great. Um, what are you talking about? The Snowmen? <laughs> No! Uh, yeah, Scream of the Shulker. <laughs> uh, Favourite Peter Davison story is The Caves of Androzani, and if you think anything else, it's wrong. Um, ha! Oh, what are you going to say now? I'm going to say Caves of Androzani. Oh, Cause, well. Because I, I don't like the five doctors for Peter Davison. <laughs> you didn't have to qualify that with four Peter Davison. You can just say you don't like the five doctors, it's fine. Actually, no, my favourite Peter Davison story is The Kidnappers. From what Do- from Doctor from Doctor Who night the kidnappers? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> David Williams and Mark Gatiss. Would it be all right to to, to kiss Peter Davison? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was very good. That was it. Oh, that, that, those sketches were great. Um, before I go, I want to show you that there isn't any sea devils in Warriors of the Deep. And we have here a, a lovingly photoshopped, you can check it out on our email inbox, Chris, a lovingly photoshopped uh, cover of Warriors of the Deep um, showing, indeed, no um, Silurians or Sea Devils, 
Oh. But me and, but me and you. Oh, wonderful. Oh, so, do you know, stick that on the Tumblr. Stick it on Tumblr. So That'd be amazing. We're, we're definitely in Warriors of the Deep. Oh, smashing. Um, <laughs> oh, we, should, we, should put, we need to put that on the Tumblr. That'd be brilliant. Uh, yeah, no, no Sea Devils in Warriors of the Deep. Just two nutters. Um, <laughs> and another random Photoshop to represent how I feel about the unitard of Doctor Who at the moment. Uh, and it's uh, ass. It's just a big old S. Ass from the unitard of Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, oh I like, God. I like your work, Jacob. Good work. Lots of love, Jacob. Oh, thank you, Jacob. It's a pleasure as always. Always love to hear from you. Hope you had a lovely Christmas and, and, a, and a merry new year. And also to you, Jean-Luc, thanks for getting in touch. As always, uh, anything you want to say to us, you can say to our face. <laughs> or you can uh, uh, send it via email to bigdamncontact at gmail.com or uh, at bigdomcast on Twitter. Please, 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 if you listen on iTunes, leave a review. Um, it helps us reach more people. That's what we want to do. We want to reach the whole world. In uh, our hands, reach the whole damn world. In our, in hands, our hands, and then we'll mold um, their brains. Sleeper agents to further our sinister cause. That's the way. Um, also, we've got Big Damn Blog at Tumblr. Big Damn Blog at Tumblr. can't speak. Big Damn Blog tumblr.com uh, we've got some stuff going up there but uh, it's been quiet the last month or so because we've all been incredibly busy because uh, Christmas is awful when you work in retail or pantomime um, <laughs> so yeah uh, we will see you again well we won't see you because uh, we don't look through the, the phones when we honestly we don't look through the phones when you play us on your on your podcasting app we don't we don't peek through your front camera at all we no. we never do that that's no. that's that would that would be rude we we don't peek you we, we know no. you're listening stop no. listening in the bath no, no no keep listening in the bath um yeah no so yeah uh, we won't see you because that'd be weird but we will speak to you we will speak to your ears again uh next week in uh, 2017 and you'll still be uh, in doing your pantomime gig won't you yeah, I'm stuck yeah, here, mate. So, I'm stuck here. So that'll be, but that'll be the last episode where we're separated by time and distance. Um, so we will be back to normal the week after, and there'll be less weird audio issues and overlapping and coughs. Um, well, maybe not <laughs> less coughs because we'll be ill and tired. Uh, but thank you for listening. As always, I have been Big Damn Matt. I have been Big Damn Not Matt. And love each other, people. Just love each other, for God's sake. It's been a terrible year. Bye. Nice. Just be nice, please. Just be nice to people.